Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 31 of Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and we are at the end of a four-part series discussing sleep. In week one, we talked about how the foods you eat can affect your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. In week two, we talked about sleep and exercise and how the intensity of your exercise and when you do it can affect your ability to get restful sleep. Last week, we discussed sleep deprivation and your emotions and how there is a bi-directional relationship between poor sleep and depression and anxiety. Finally, we are wrapping up with sleep deprivation and your environment. Environment is the surrounding or conditions in which a person, animal, or plant lives or operates. Many things can affect your sleep environment. Temperature, noise, light, and bed comfort. Also, things in your home like mold, chemicals, and radon can affect your ability to sleep through the night. So if you are having trouble sleeping, please reach out to a specialist for help. There are solutions for you to fill up your tank. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and today we are going to be discussing sleep deprivation and your environment. Now, this is part four in a four-part series. I'm here with Dr. Kell. Hi, Dr. Kell. Hi, Nikki. And before we get started, let's go to the quote of the day. You're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting by John Addison. Now, Dr. Kell, tell me a little bit about this. Well, what do you think, Nikki? I would absolutely agree with that. And we talked a little bit about that in the lab podcast, too. Uh, the thought of the day was kind of connected to that. It, it uh, If you're not willing to uh, keep on learning, what's really happening to you? What happens to an older person in their brain as you get older and they become stagnant and you see all these people in rest homes sitting around in a daze and, and you wonder, uh, did, did they get that way because they decided it was time to get lazy or did they just naturally deteriorate? I think it's you often see in older people, they just kind of quit learning, quit doing things. And, That's true. Uh, it's a little, I think it's, t it's a little bit stressful. Like we talked about last time, it's stressful learning new things. So if there's a way to create balance in learning, like I tend to jump all in and like overdo it and then get like really like, ah, my brain is overwhelmed and then take a break and then go back in. Like I, I have these like cycles of like learning a lot and then kind of maintaining and then learning a lot and then maintaining. Do you do that, Dr. Kell? Yes, I think everybody does that, and and I think that's a we should recognize that signal. I think that's our brain telling us, okay, we've we've taken in as much as we can now. Now it's time to take a little break and and relax and and uh, absorb what we've learned, and then once we feel comfortable, continue on. Yeah, it's like your brain has a limit. Like, okay, that's enough. Give me a second to absorb this, and now I'm ready again. Yeah, I like the way you put it. Thank you, Dr. Cal. You're bad, and everybody's a little different, you know. Some people can absorb a lot. I, I've always been jealous of those people with a photographic memory. They can, you know, how nice would it be to be able to read something and virtually remember everything that you read or saw or heard? It's mind-boggling to me to think about someone can actually do that, but there are people out there with which seem to have those abilities. And what about the people who just kind of know their limits and they stay with them in them on like a daily basis? Like, okay, I'm going to learn for two hours, the tough stuff, and then I'm going to maintain. And they have this balance. Like, I, I long for that. <laughs> well, you know? and, that, and that's the reality. I mean, I think that's a, a big purpose of this podcast 
is to help people find balance, help people find happiness. And following the triad of health, I think, is what leads to contentment and more happiness. You've got to have a balance of all things in your life. You know, the nutritional, the emotional, and the physical aspects need to all be covered and done daily, really, to to maintain that mental perspective. And so if you're out of balance in any of those areas, you'll find yourself often struggling with contentment and peace. And so I think you've got it right. To the, to, you know, I always think of the story of the tortoise and the hare. I mean, I often find myself thinking that I'm more of a tortoise than a hare. But sometimes you're both, right? You said you go really strong for a couple hours and then you take a break. And so we're probably both. Yeah, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to keep up with everyone. And um, sometimes that causes us to overdo it. I know for myself, but I think a lot of people are like that too. Think of your environment. Are you? Do you live in a very affluent environment where you have a lot of material goods? Like I see around my office today and what's become so prevalent in our society today is homelessness. I spent some time in South America too among people many years ago that where you see a, a lot of poverty and a small percentage of the population is very wealthy. Ironically, and I'm not saying that these homeless people are happy, I, I think sleeping on the ground every night and, and dealing with the weather and all that would be a very hard way to, to find some peace and contentment. I've spoken to the police around here a few times, and, and my son's actually a policeman in San Diego, and, and a lot of these people are either emotionally ill or they're on drugs and alcohol in that perpetual addictive state, and they're not getting a good night's sleep either. But my point of yeah. all that is, is your environment plays a big part in all these things, in all these aspects with learning and, and growing and peaceful and happy. I and mean, that's what we're talking about today, the environmental aspects of sleep. Now, did you have an article of the day, Dr. Kelp? <clears throat> well, I did. I found one here, and it's connected to, to more nutritional than, than environmental, but they overlap. There's connections between the two. This one's called Too Much Salt Could Affect Circadian Rhythm. You know what your circadian oh. rhythm is, Nikki? Um, is that like the the way your body, I don't know, takes on the day, like wake at this time, sleep at this time? Yeah, scientists say that uh, you go through 90-minute cycles and of awareness. So we talked about that earlier, about the brainwave patterns from alpha and beta waves when you're awake and you tend to cycle into theta during waking hours. And then at nighttime, you'll sit, typically cycle through theta, delta 1, delta 2, delta 3 levels. Uh, so you tend to be, especially during your sleep cycle, you'll have times where you're more awake, more restless, and other times where you're in deep sleep. Uh, that circadian rhythm, they say your body actually goes through a 25-hour cycle, not a 24-hour cycle. So we live in a 24-hour uh, time frame, but our body actually goes through a 25-hour circadian rhythm cycle. But on this article, too much salt could affect your circadian rhythms. Let's see, here this study, I'm just going to read part of the study here. It's a little easier to give you the information that way. Let's see, it says, it's no secret that salt, while tasty, needs to be limited to the for the sake of the heart. You know, we've always heard about, oh, too much salt, affect your heart, and, and all that, and your blood pressure. But according to new research by the University of Alabama at Birmingham, too much salt could disrupt the circadian rhythm as well. Now, and I got to say that this study was done on mice. Okay, we're not mice, but <laughs> we find a lot of connections between mice. That's why they're always doing studies of mice. And, and in this study, they, these mice weren't detrimentally harmed. They didn't sacrifice them after the study was over. So for all you... Uh, animal <clears throat> activists Love out there. Uh, this, this study was seemed to be okay that way. When they did the study, they were specifically looking at a part of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, the SCN for short, which is what keeps our body's clock regular and in rhythm. Within the SCN are receptors called endothelian B receptors 
and there's other, see, these receptors help to manage sodium levels. See, upon their analysis, the researchers found that mice who had been fed a high-salt diet weren't following the normal sleep-wake patterns. Expect from mice through previous research that humans often mimic these kinds of things as well, that, that we find in mice, that's the way we use them. So, if you mess up your circadian rhythm, your cycle, your brain isn't going down into deep sleep, and it can also mess you up during the day. In your waking time, uh, some people get that feeling like even when they're during the wake that they're wired, just going mm -hmm. at it, going at it, going at it, and, and that's when you're in alpha. And it, sometimes your brain spends too much time in alpha, like you were saying earlier, where you know you go at it for a couple hours and then you need to rest. That's really, when you're learning and you're trying to memorize things or, or learn a new thing, your brain is really focused and functioning at a high level, so you tend to be more in those alpha waves. And then mm. when you take that break, you relax more and you go back down into beta, and then if you can't get kind of that feel, sleepy sensation, then you're, in, then you're in, in theta. So cycling back and forth. So it's basically saying that that regulating process of your brain cycling through, especially during sleep, if you're, if you're having high amounts of salt, you may be messing up your sleep cycle too. So that's another thing to consider uh, when you're trying to correct your sleeping problems. Are you getting too much salt or, or uh, putting a lot of salt on your food right before you go to bed? Those are other issues to consider. Mm -hmm. So like chips before bed, a lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe the salt that's messing things up. So try uh, changing that up as well. Yeah, we've really tried to eat less in the hour or two before bedtime in the last couple weeks or week or two. Yeah, and I think it's helped yeah. to have more sound sleep. For you personally or the whole family? Yeah, the whole family. I'm really trying to be like no snacking from this point on at like 9 o'clock. Well, you, I, you know, I wanted to do 7 o'clock, but that's just, we sometimes don't even eat dinner until 7 o'clock, so. That's another problem, isn't it? A lot of people are eating later. Than the, I mean, the, it used to be yeah. that the average family would eat at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and now it's it's a lot later. So yeah. that, that's got to be affecting it as well. I know you've said in previous episodes that uh, your kids aren't getting enough sleep. You know, we talked about how uh, a teenager really needs minimum of 8 hours and preferably 10 hours a night, and who's getting that anymore? Oh, no. It's more like five and a half to six and a half on a good night, on a school night. The weekends are different, of course, but yeah, yeah those school nights are tough for them. They're up studying. They, like, I think Breezy had three tests and two quizzes or something like that today. It's crazy. Yeah, and the, see, the, the strange thing I find is that the education is, it's the teachers who are the educators that need to be taught all these things because there are places in the country where they don't give homework or not much homework and they focus on the teaching all the things in class. Uh, so the kids who have reduced amounts of homework, of course, you got those days where you're studying for the test and you, you do the all-nighter. Well, guess what? For some of those people, they would do far better on those exams if they progressively learned the material and then got a good night's sleep before because they're yeah. going into that test sleep deprived and their brain just isn't working well it, it disconnects those centers of, of memory connection so you can cram all night long thinking that that's helping you learn it but the reality of it is even if you get away like i have to admit when i was in college i would do those things too mm -hmm. and cram and cram and cram and and oftentimes i could go into the exam although typically i did try to get a good night's sleep i understood even back then how important that was so i typically wouldn't stay, stay up until 3 a.m you know, I'd, I'd still try to go to bed by 10, 11 o'clock at night and get the eight hours, at least seven to eight hours sleep because I even knew then how important that was. However, I would tend to be the crammer where I, I would study hard the days before 
And I could go in and regurgitate all the information and, and do well on the exams. But give me the test a week or two after that, I probably wouldn't mm. pass it because it's like the, the information didn't stay. It didn't stick. And that was because I wasn't progressively learning it. I was just cramming. Oh, yeah. And I think, like you were saying, like some places don't give as much homework. And I think, what, like the students actually go and enjoy learning and they and they focus on what they want to learn. You know, even like for younger children, they have like Montessori type schooling where they, they gravitate to a certain type of learning or subject. And that's what they focus on until they're ready to move on. And I, I don't know, I think that encourages a lot of creativity and excitement around independence and learning and groups as well. Yeah, and we're talking about sleep, but it's so easy to get off topic. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, um, and that's a whole other podcast, right? We could, we could spend hours talking about uh, how disruptive, uh, messing that whole cycle up disrupts our ability to learn. And our learning is so important, especially because it's happening to kids, and that's when most learning occurs. Yet, if those kids are not nutritionally balanced, they're not sleeping getting them the right amount of sleep, if they're not getting the right amount of exercise, and they're emotionally distraught, whether due to the lack of sleep or the emotional traumas are, are causing their lack of sleep, it doesn't really matter. The fact is you've got to fix these things and you've got to accommodate those things. Otherwise, people don't thrive. There's always a percentage of kids, and I, I believe I was one of those kids when I was in junior high and high school where parents went through a divorce when I was 10, lived with my mother, always gone. I can go on and on and on about all the things in my life that, that was disruptive to my ability to learn. And also in physical performance and sports and stuff, I always had to often look back now and go, was part of my inability to really perform well uh, in sports also tied back to the emotional issues, the, the sleep issues, the nutritional issues, because I had all those problems. I wasn't fed well. I dealt with a lot of emotional issues and didn't get the nutrition I needed as either. I was living on hamburgers, french fries, and soda pop. Yep. So uh, I, I bet if, you know, we need to do some studies, and there probably are studies already been done and need to do some research and find them, took the lower performing kids in school and uh, looked at their tryout of health and connected to them, you'd probably find that they're lacking in all those areas or two of the three. There's just a connection there, and oftentimes the educators, uh, they ignore those things. They don't really look at those things. They don't look beyond what's happening at the moment and you know, why is it happening to this child over another, and how do we fix it? Okay. So back so, to environmental conditions on sleep. There we go. <laughs> so what are we talking about when we say how the environment affects sleep? You might mention uh, if we just look at our environment in our house, our environment that we're around during the day, let's take outside today. Okay, um, you've been up, uh, you're in Atlanta, you're three hours ahead of me. And the, uh, what's gone on today, this morning? What have you been exposed to that you could see might disrupt the function of your brain and, and your body? Uh, have, you, have you had any uh, stress that's occurred this morning that you can talk about? I didn't get enough sleep last night, so that doesn't help. You know, you wake up groggy. And then, let's see. Anything environmental? Well, Did you go at, drive the kids to school? Husband drove Jake to school and the girls rode the bus. So that was all okay. good. But like we're in it, uh, we've done a lot to the home. So there are chemical exposures, I guess I would say. And we've purchased new furniture and mattresses that are off gassing, yeah. which I'm extremely sensitive to. So we have, I have those exposures on a daily basis. So for me, getting outside is a relief from that. But we have a really good air filtration system, so I think it helps to off-gas that quicker, but it, it just is going to take time, I think. 
for the next six months or however long it takes to off-gas things, that's a daily exposure. Luckily, we don't have mold in this house or radon that we're dealing with because we have been in a moldy house before and that definitely affected my sleep. You know, like I said, I was up and down at night because my body was trying to constantly detox out the mold that I was breathing in through the air conditioning system. But what about you, Dr. Kell? Well, when I think about, you know, last night, yeah, same thing. I actually went to bed a little late, went, went to bed at 11. Though I went right to sleep, I, uh, Ingrid, she, she took uh, Bryce to school, and he has a religion class before school, and so he's up at 6, and so she took him today. I, I took him other days the rest of the week, so I did. But, of course, I woke up right away, and I didn't really get back to sleep after after that. And so I was up at 7, ate some breakfast, and, and something was helpful. walked around my backyard. I grew a lot of plants and, and trees, and, and, and I enjoy growing things. And, and that's another product we created that's not on the market yet. And plant food, fertilizer, fer- natural and organic fertilizers, and, and uh, natural pesticide products we're working on now. I hope to have them out in the spring. But, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, the, the real question is, what have I been exposed to in the environment? That was relaxing to me to go in the yard. And yeah. then I got in the car and drove to work, and that was fairly uneventful. I didn't honk at anybody or nobody honked at me and, uh-huh. and got here okay. So that was typical event experience and got to the office. And, and you know, so overall, my environment's been fairly reasonable. But then we get into the podcast and just doing the podcast, you know, can be a little bit stressful. I mean, most of the time I feel pretty relaxed doing this, but if I get this, you know, trying to organize the information properly and all that can be a little stressful too. But environmentally, you know, you went out for a walk, you relaxed from that. Um, um, so you haven't been exposed to too many things other than your environment. You're very fortunate that you can you can do those things. But as far as you've got the air filtration system and, and can test the house for different chemicals and, and mold and radon and all those things. So no, those things don't exist, exist. But your affluency also, you went out and got new furniture. So then you expose yourself to the off-gassing and you're not, you know, you can't really gauge that to tell how much that is affecting your sleep or, or the chemical function of your brain with your hormones and all that. But it's bound to be. Unfortunately, you have that filter that's helping. And and so you're doing the best you can do, right? You're not going to go out and get all your furniture at, at, at the Goodwill. Not to say that the furniture at the Goodwill isn't nice, you know. If that's where you like to go, right. go ahead. But uh, but it reminds me, too, I have done a lot of jobs in my life. Was a, was a photographer for a while, taking pictures of kids. Uh, and I also sold vacuum cleaners, believe it or not, in my younger really? days. And one of the things we would do, uh, you know, if you've got an old bed or old furniture, this is <laughs> you want to get grossed out and you want to have some stress. We used to... With this vacuum, it was called a forework. I don't even think it was it's around anymore. It was a German vacuum cleaner. But we one of the things we would do when we were selling the vacuum and showing the people how great it was, we would say, can we go to your bedroom? And can we vacuum your bed? Let me show you all the junk in your mattress. And we would attach this black cloth to a part of the vacuum. And we would run it over their bed and open it up and be full of what looked like dirt. And we're like, that's your skin. Your skin oh. is flaking off your body and getting into your mattress. And then it's sitting in there and you're breathing that at night. And guess what? Mites love to live on your skin and live on the skin in your bed. And so you've got bed mites. And that's why you need this vacuum. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and we sold a lot of vacuums yeah. with, with, that, with that thing. But, but the point being is old furniture, old mattresses can be very unhealthy and they can be environmentally unsafe. You've got the issue with that, and then you get the new stuff, and then it off-gasses. So, you know, um, I mean, we do get in life times where we're just overwhelmed and like, 
no matter what we do, we can't completely solve the problem, and that is the reality. And so we just do the best we can, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but with environmental things, we, one of the things we consider temperature. Temperature is a big deal with sleep. My love, my wife loves to when winter comes. Uh, even in California, it gets cooler at night. Uh, you know, might get into the 40s and 50s. She loves to leave the window open. She likes the cold air. Uh, it, I can't sleep when it's cold like that or breathing in the cold air. I lived in Colorado when it get down to zero in the wintertime. I like to keep the house at 68 when I'm sleeping, and, and she didn't like that. She had a harder time sleeping with the furnace kicking on and off, the noise of the furnace, that's environmental. Noise mm. of the air conditioner, that's environmental. That wakes people up or disrupts your rhythm. And so those are all things to consider. Temperature is a big one. Do you ever have those issues in Atlanta? Yeah. I mean, I can hear the air system kick off and on, and sometimes if it blows on you, it'll make you a little bit cold or hot or whatever. Yeah, and like there's the thermostat on the wall is like a little bit bright. So the light. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this morning my wife opened the door to go out and take my son to school and, and he had the light in the hallway on. Of course, big flash of light in my eyes and that they, uh, <laughs> all those things uh, throughout the day. Our, our days haven't been too stressful this morning as far as environment goes, but think about all the things people go through all day long. You know, if you've got a job where you've got to drive the car, like I think of the truck drivers and the UPS and FedEx drivers and Amazon, all that, those guys are dealing with traffic all day long. Uh, or if you got to drive to and from work in your car and it takes you two hours to get to work and back. A lot of people in this area do those kinds of things drive an hour yeah. to two hours back and forth to work all kinds of things affect that uh other things affect your sleep you know really when you think of environmental the bacteria and the viruses that are spreading out all over the place having to wear masks all the time all those things are stressful and can disrupt your sleep want to add anything to that i was thinking about um i had a discussion with my husband before the podcast today so i also had a relaxing session of reflexology which i've never done so it's like I've kind of been on a little bit of a roller coaster. I mean, I, I wake up the kids and I'm totally groggy. I flip on Breezy's light to wake her up. Like you said, the light wakes you up. I don't at first wake throw it on, but then when she doesn't get out of bed, I'm like, okay, flip. And I know that's going <laughs> to shocking, but at the same time. Do your kids not get up when you're on the first round? No, you got to give them an extra 10 minutes, right? Yeah, I remember that as my last year of high school i i actually live with a friend of mine i wanted to go to the high school where i'd been going prior to that time i was just woke myself up had my alarm clock but his mother would always come in and wake us up it was just kind of became a habit okay mom's going to come in once and and she she uh, knows we're not going to get up right away so she'll come in a second and sometimes even a third time yeah but but it actually forms a habit with the kids right they know mom's going to do that so they just kind of funny yeah i would never had that i always had my own alarm clock my yeah. mom was up late till two in the morning working on sewing and stuff like that and then she'd get up at like a little bit before eight and go right into work so we had to wake ourselves up and drive ourselves to school and all that i don't know how that works i'm i'm glad that you just explained that to me they're used to having an extra time of me going in and saying yeah, okay now it's early time they've trained you they've trained yeah. you well they, they sure uh... have <laughs> sometimes i want to untrain them but then i don't know we fall back into the same patterns it's funny Right. Yeah. Well, and what would happen if you said, okay, guys, I'm not coming in to wake up anymore. You, you, here's your alarm and you get up or you don't get up. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you don't get up. Okay. Well, this is the result. It would be stressful in the change. Once again, changing things, what does it do? Yeah. Causes disruption and some stress for a while. Other things that affect our sleep, really the environment when we go traveling, 
Traveling disrupts our sleep, so that's a thing to consider. When we're traveling, we can expect to disrupt our sleep patterns. So if you're wondering why that's an issue or a problem for you. Oh, here's a therapy we can mention here at, at the end here. CBT. Do you know what C CBT is, Nikki? Oh, I think um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Very good. Very good. CBT? Did you know I was going to ask you that? I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> They, uh, I fell into that one, then you, you knew already. So TBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. This is something created by a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Basically, it's something that's often used if, if I walked into a, an office that someone was familiar with this technique. It's basically analyzing a person, which is what we do in our practice too, if someone comes in with a sleep problem. Uh, usually someone comes in to us with uh, either those kinds of problems, nutritional problems, uh, physical problems, and so kind of look at the whole picture and that's what CBT is is kind of looking at your 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 the whole picture trying to see what is causing the problem and it's it's re directly related to sleep of course but they look at everything from having you keep a sleep diary um, to looking at your sleep patterns in detail to looking at uh, uh, teaching you uh, all the things we've talked about like preparing for sleep you know cutting out certain things in your life what are you doing that's disrupting your your sleep patterns, patterns. But what we do is we take it a step further than what a psychiatrist or psychologist would do. We get, okay, is there a nutritional component? Is there mm -hmm. a physical component? Is there an emotional component? Or is there an environmental component? You know, all these things are interconnected and you got to figure out. It's hard to fix the problem. You know, you can put Band-Aids on things. And that's why I became a, a doctor of chiropractic because I wanted to look at What's really the cause of the problem? You know, in, in modern medicine, it's, it's wonderful in so many ways, but oftentimes it's all about covering up the symptoms, not correcting the problem. And so with uh, what we do here and what we try to do in CBT, I, as, I, as I look at all the steps they take in there, they, they don't cover all the bases in there, but many of them, they're looking more at the emotional side of things and the emotional connections, and they add in some of the environmental and the nutritional ideas to give you a uh, some drugs from a psychiatrist perspective, which uh, often compounds the problem over time. But sometimes that's all people can get help from. They can. They oftentimes don't know they can do more because the nutritional side of things is typically not covered in, in modern medicine uh, when they come to figure out a problem for someone. So we cover those bases, and, and I would recommend to people out there that they consider those issues. If they're getting therapy, it's not working. There may be some nutritional side of things or some different emotional treatments or some environmental issues that, that are not being considered. you got to go through it all. you got to cover all the bases to really figure this out. Otherwise, you're just covering up the symptoms. And once you figure out the cause of something, that can't really fix anything. What so, about the side effects of medications? Well, and once again, they often, you know, they may get you to sleep, but do they get you into deep sleep? Uh, some of them do, some of them don't. Um, and their side effects to the body are often cause other problems. Uh, maybe you're getting your sleep, mm. but, but now that's causing another hormonal imbalance causing other brain problems. Uh, you know, a lot of the drugs they give to uh, people with uh, severe anxiety or ADHD, schizophrenia, diabetes drugs and heart drugs. Think of our body as a dam holding back the water. Bring a leak over here and you go over here and use a patch on that. And then for some reason, the patch either doesn't hold or now you've improved the pressure over here, but the pressure increased at the other end of the dam and now it starts leaking over there. And Back and forth, back and forth. You know, you could use several different types of analogies, but 
you're really you try to fix one problem which just creates another of course that's kind of life itself we're constantly in flux and trying to find solutions to the problems that hit us each day things like sleep you've got to really look at the whole picture and figure out what is causing this a combination of things one thing specific usually it's a combination of things so once you figure out what those things are then you can apply a, a healthy result I don't agree, and you know, maybe in the extreme cases, all you can do is give someone a drug. Once the mind is totally deteriorated, maybe that's beyond a point of actually being able to heal it. I and mean, I would say that's only in the case of people with severe mind deterioration in, in, in an older person. So what are some things that people can do to treat their environment for better sleep? Well, figure out what in the environment is, is a problem. And, you know, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. What would you do? Let's say temperature. Yeah. Okay, easy, easy, unless your spouse likes a different temperature. Then you may, your result being that you have to sleep in separate rooms. I don't know if you can't compromise. And that is a problem, isn't it? Sometimes our, mm-hmm. our solutions are not easily, even though we, we find the cause, such as simple thing like temperature being an issue, the answer to resolving the cause may not be simple. In the case where you're married and you want to sleep in the same room together, and the end result is, you know what? Neither of us can get a good night's sleep unless we're sleeping in separate beds or separate rooms, and sleep is so important, maybe you just got to do that. Long term, you think uh, good night's sleep, better function of the brain, happier your life, reducing the stress might actually in time some people think oh if we don't sleep together in the same bed you know relationship well maybe the lack of sleep is affecting your relationship more than uh, being apart during sleep and then coming together during the day and and those other activities that we do together so many different things you can do but basically it comes down to you've got to figure out what the issue is like in your case you discovered mold in a house and that was affecting your brain and so you got out of the house or got rid of the mold and, yep, we and, yep. and, you, and you say you got this new furniture that off gases so your best thing you can do there what you've done is put a good air filter filtration system on the house i mean the only other option i suppose would move the furniture outside in the open air and let it air out for a while that's right put it in the sun <laughs> yeah yep. yep put it in the sun let it heat up and and but again not is it practical to do that yes. i don't know i don't know <laughs> I don't know. It, dep- it depends on the extremity of the result, you know, and oftentimes some of these things, we don't really know what it's doing to us directly, and we can't always figure that out. Yeah. We know it's bad, you know. Okay, it's bad drinking out of a plastic bottle. Hard to carry around glass all the time, I suppose, or stainless steel. Those are the answers, right? You got yeah. to You gotta make the adjustment. Like, interesting, I, I, I uh, you know, we have our deodorant up on Amazon. We don't have totally five stars because we've had a couple people complain. So, you know, I... I find that no matter what, it's hard to make people happy about every little thing. They they don't necessarily love the s- smell of this one or that one or things like that. And then you give you they give you one star even though everything else is good about it. Um, so we had a couple people give us one star, which knocked your full five star rating down. But ironically, I, I was looking online on Amazon at some other deodorants, and there's one deodorant there. I'm not going to say their name, but they had over seven thousand reviews and still had five stars. And the the deodorant was full of aluminum and other bad ingredients. And I'm like, how in the world did they get five stars? It's because people don't, the majority of people don't care. They're like, all I want to do is not sweat and I don't want to stink. I don't care if it's healthy for me or not. And, And of course, you know, a lot of people believe that our government wouldn't allow someone to sell a product that isn't healthy for us. We all know what a joke that is. Yeah. You know, our governing agencies today are, are just in total disarray and, and corruption. And, and it's always about the money. But ironically, 
this deodorant was claiming 24 hours. It worked for 24 hours and, and it was full of aluminum and that's how it worked. And the aluminum is so bad for your body, but nobody cared. They all gave it five stars because stop their sweating and their stink. And that's all they cared about. They didn't care about their health or they, you know, it doesn't hurt you immediately. So therefore it's okay. Yeah. And I, I think about like my sensitivities and I'm like, gosh, it's, it's tough sometimes in the moment having these, but I think that they're a protection in the long term, because I don't overexpose myself to things that are going to long term, you know, accumulate and cause cancer or something, an autoimmune disease, something that gets turned on finally or triggered by this long term exposure to things. Well, that is the problem with this as humans living on this planet is our body can resist many things for a given period of time until it finally caves in. And if we don't have immediate stimulus to us telling us, hey, don't do this, this is detrimental to me, we can get picked at all day long and just endure it and ignore it. You know, ignoring the fact that over time, that's going to wear us out or damage us. And so that's how these companies get away with doing all this. Is like, it's not hurting, you know. It's like the cigarette, smoking a cigarette, one cigarette, is that hurting me? Well, yes, it is, but it's not killing me today. I don't die from smoking it right now. I don't die from the aluminum I put on my skin right now. This food that's really crappy for me or have excessive amounts of sugar, caffeine, or whatever it might be that is harmful for my body, well, it doesn't immediately demonstrate a detriment to me right at this moment, so it must be okay. Not right. Not you know, and that's why we're trying to educate people that these things repeatedly used over time hurt you more and more and more until finally everything works out and stops working. And you're going, well, what caused them to die today? Yeah. Oh, oh, it was COVID. Oh, it was their heart stopped or their kidneys stopped working or they had a stroke or whatever it might be. But nobody talks about, wow, had they been eating the right foods, getting the right amount of exercise, you know, recognizing the environmental effects of like the plastics we're talking about and getting the right amount of sleep. I mean, I really believe, and I think the day will come where human beings be able to live way beyond 100 years, maybe two, three, 400 years once we figure all this out and people actually start caring more about health and well-being and happiness than they do about money. And oh, yeah. Because it's always about the money and corruptness of the money. Those selling the products that they know are detrimental to us, but they don't care. Uh, and we're going to keep buying them as long as it doesn't kill us today. Yeah, right. Yep, exactly. Because they don't know. The term you used was immediate response. That's what I get. I get the immediate response to chemicals. Walk in something into a room or if somebody walks around me with a certain fabric softener or anything that's a chemical smell or smoke in the air from somebody burning their firewood in the neighborhood. You have an awareness response that the average person doesn't have. Could look at it this too kind of in a way, for instance, your immune system constantly trying to avoid getting exposed to to, uh, viruses and bacteria, especially with COVID. The irony of it all is uh, if you go to third world countries, Um, or where there's a lot of poverty in countries and more disease. These people who survive, who don't succumb to diseases, they have really strong immune systems. And they can endure things much better than the average person can when they're exposed to something new because their body's been exposed to so many things already. And so when we keep covering ourselves up and avoiding being exposed to anything, we actually over time reduce the ability of our immune system to fight things off. And we become more susceptible to the simple things instead of maybe we're we're now, you know, that's that's one of the complaints about the current vaccine for COVID is that it's, it's making a hypersensitive to, to the COVID virus and other um, viruses similar to it. 
but now you're reducing your immunity to other things by taking it. So uh, it, it's just a crazy world. And, and But you, with your, I think, exposure to the mold and, and, and your environment and, and to the, uh, like when you mentioned the, the leaking of the breast implants, things like that, your body has, because of those exposures, become hypersensitive to everything. So you're more aware than the average person when that occurs and you can immediately stop the exposure. Whereas the average person doesn't. Yeah. It's like a training. My body's already trained to know. Yeah. You're more aware than the average person when it comes to being uh, affected by these things. And so you can remove yourself from that environment immediately. Whereas a person in a room would like carbon dioxide. Sometimes people's furnaces go off and it's, it can't smell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're sitting, you know, that's how people sometimes unfortunately take themselves out of this world uh, with the car car exhaust. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you can't, depending on the car, of course, and how well it's filtering the uh, catalytic converter, etc. Uh, you, in some cases, you can't smell that that at all before you fall asleep and you're gone. And that's just what the world's constantly doing to us. So being more aware is so important. That awareness is what enables us to be happier, healthier, and and go through life in a state that is uh, what we would like. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot to do with the environment and our sleep. It's huge. Yeah. And so be aware. Just be aware, people. If you find being being aware becomes too mentally disturbing. <laughs> and and that's <laughs> kind of what it is. In times, people are like I just don't want to think about it, because sure. thinking about it stresses me out more. That is a true statement. Sometimes it can. So when you think about it, you just but you typically don't think about it until the problem develops, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. if you're having a problem, you can find the solution, and that's why we're here to try to help you find the solution. Yes. Because you have to fill up your tank, right? Yep. You got to keep gas in the car. So keep sleeping. We have new topics coming up. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Kell. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this four-part series on sleep. We hope that it helps you to get more sleep, right? Okay. Be sure to tag a friend and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you for listening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.